This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Total Saints Podcast, your weekly pod going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Yes, we're a little later out this week, but you can blame the TV scheduling for that. Anyway, here we are, and before we get going, unlike last week's lack of congratulating those in the Northwest, we're dishing it out in bundles on this episode. So many TSP congratulations to Shea Adams on his first Saints goal, which we'll come on to talk about more in the pod imminently. And of course, many, many congratulations to Oxford United on their wonderful playoff semi-final win against them lot down the road. A quick shout out to Marcus, of course, as well. It was 11 years yesterday at time of recording that he saved our beloved club. Stephen Glenn are with me. Evening, chaps. Steve, social distancing of two divisions between us and them beautifully maintained. Yep. Congratulations to Oxford. That was a... Thoroughly brutal penalty shootout from uh, on their part. I mean, they're I mean, the Pompey keeper won't get anywhere near any of those uh, those penalties. So yeah, that was that was an enjoyable um, early evening on uh, was it Monday? I yeah, think it was, yeah, yeah, twenty four hours. Um, game, yeah. yeah, nice way to round round off a, a thoroughly entertaining weekend. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, Glenn, I mean, it's been a, a long season, of course, but for most of it, Bournemouth and Pompey have. Uh, thought we were going down the latter of course thought they were coming up and we're probably going to be playing us next season so in the end it's all worked out perfectly yeah I, I don't care about Bournemouth at all <laughs> but um yeah Pompey I've got a lot of friends who support Pompey they're always the first to stick stuff all over social media when it's a joke at our expense mm. and they're very very slow to acknowledge that their season is has basically been a 4-0 home defeat to us yeah. and not getting promoted out of League <laughs> One for the full season running. They're yeah. very slow to sort of take that on board. Yeah. So uh, because I'm thinking. a gro- because I'm a grown up now, I don't I don't give it too much of the large one <laughs> on, on social media, yeah. but um, not with my mates anyway. But yeah, it's um, all good things. Um, 
come to those who uh, who wait to the end of the season before they uh, half off. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And uh, Steve, look, just before we get going in the pod, I, I know Glenn is not a massive football kit fan, so I'll probably won't waste his time. But uh, of course, Saints obviously released their their new kit at 9:22 a.m. on uh, Thursday, 1885, celebrating 135 years, of course, since our inception with a uh, defying the odds um, kit. Um, I, saw, I saw someone call the away kit, which is of course, uh, sorry, the third kit, which is white with the red sash. Uh, I saw they called it Itchen River Plate, which I thought was very clever. Um, obviously, my physique doesn't embrace Under Armour, so I'm not overly worried about it. But what's your general reflections on the kits for next season, Steve? Um, I mean, to be honest, I'd prefer the third kit as the home one, mm, um, yeah. much like the the one we had 10 years ago for um, our promotion season in League One. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not overly sold on them uh, picking 135 years as some sort of anniversary to celebrate it's i mean that's that's nonsense for me yeah. um i mean 100, 150 fine 125 yeah. was okay 135 is absolute nonsense for me um but i mean the as i say i quite like the the third kit but would prefer that as the home one um i don't quite understand why they've put the sash the other way round for the home one um because the sash now then goes through the Under Armour logo yeah. rather than the club logo. So mm. it kind of gets kind of gets lost a little bit. Um, and obviously you've got that massive horrendous um, <laughs> logo for the um, for our for our not at all dubious sponsor. <laughs> yeah, as you say, um, I guess the thing is it's a kit and as long as they get good results in it. Um, but yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. I've seen mixed reactions, but I think generally the, the positives uh, of outweighed the negative so we'll see what happens but I mean, it's, it's, it's a kit so people will bone e- either way never gonna please everybody exactly exactly so uh, brilliant well before we get going then um, i just want to say thanks to jack breenfield as well because jack's become a tsp patron between the last pod and this one so nice one jack and thanks well, we're recording just after the Everton game, where Saints, of course, have drawn one all. The three of us will chat through some of the key talking points from that match, as well as absolutely reflecting back on the incredible win over Man City earlier this week. Lastly, we'll preview Saints' next fixture at the Theatre of Dreams against Manchester United. So without further ado, sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs and complete with a new advert for July, here is TSP122. Listen, listen very carefully. That's the sound of people everywhere deflating their inflatable hot tubs, ready for the Happy Hot Tubs inflatable trade-in event. During July, you can trade in your inflatable hot tub for the price you paid for it off a brand new hot tub. Just visit your nearest showroom and choose your hot tub with finance available. Find your nearest Happy Hot Tubs at happyhottubs.co.uk Maximum trade-in value applies. Oh, that's the uh, the hot tub still deflating. Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, I'm Danny Ings and you're listening to Total Saints Podcast. Saints followed up their scintillating and committed 1-0 victory over Man City with a one all draw up at Goodison Park tonight at time of recording. Glenn, before we chat Everton, wow, what a game and, and result against City. Yes, incredible. Regardless of the result, just the amount of commitment that we put into a game that was basically a dead rubber in mm. front of no fans um, was incredible. Um, and... We won the game because we, you know, we took one of our chances and we we had a little bit of luck, yeah. and we defended the hell out of it. And and you know when we needed to, um, you know, on another day, a couple of those defensive mistakes that we made could have ended up in the net and we we might have lost the game. Mm. But you know everything went right for us, and it was, you know, a, th- a thoroughly deserved win. Yeah, it frustrated me a little bit that it was on the BBC because um, all they were talking about was the nine nil. Yeah. That, you know, it must have got mentioned 20 times and 
when they got given the game, they must have thought, oh, great. You know, City are going to smash in a load of goals. And uh, it annoyed me in a way that they got such a good game yeah. um, to watch. And it, it was a much better game for it being as it was than it would have been if they'd thumped us, you know, even three or four nil. So, uh, yeah, it was a little bit frustrating afterwards, but I'm not uh, I'm not too bothered about the uh, about the television companies. It was just a, a really good performance. Um, topped off, of course, with um, Che Adams getting his goal. And uh, it shows that the, the players have completely bought into the way mm. that Ralph wants to play because there's no way you'd get a team playing like that, no. like I say, in a dead rubber, unless they were totally committed to um, what he was trying to do. Can you imagine Charlie Austin playing up front in that game? <laughs> no, I can't, Steve, to be honest with you. <laughs> best finisher at the club, apparently. Yeah, best finisher in the club, yeah, absolutely. Still, mm. I'm sure he still stands by that. Um, Glenn, your your blog's obviously been getting a lot of love this week, and I, I've got to say, if you haven't read it, uh, I retweeted it. Glenn's obviously posted it from his at uh, uh, L1-10. Uh, it's a brilliant blog every week, but this one uh, particularly. I just want to read one of the quotes, which I know has gone down incredibly well. There was 5.7 million people, of course, watching it. It was a record for the BBC. Glenn's blog has a wonderful line that it says, it's actually the sort of game that neutrals watch and then pick Southampton as their team to follow. Anyone who does that will, of course, regret it further down the line. But there we go. Brilliant. Um, Steve, what I was going to say as well, um, you know, as Glenn kind of said there, in terms of Saints, um, you know, they'd have seen Saints, those 5.7 million people, putting in runs, tackles, blocks, clearances, showing loads of heart and desire. And, uh, you know, as Glenn said there, for a team that were 99% safe at that stage anyway, I mean, what a performance from the lads. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I think I think it's important to point out that, I mean, players still have a sort of great degree of professional pride, mm. even when there's technically nothing riding on a the game. They will, they will still want to go out there and win. I mean, let's face it, there's win bonuses and goal bonuses and all this sort of stuff uh, financially, but you don't get to be that level of of a professional without having that sort of unstinting desire to win. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the tactics, the system that Ralph employed were pretty much perfect. Mm. Um, basically forced city to go wide because they've, because they haven't really got anybody who's any good in the air, forced them to put crosses in the box. Yeah. Um, I mean, it almost came completely unstuck when David Silva somehow wins a header in um, in the six-yard box. But fortunately, we got away with that one. Mm. But other than that, um, just let them go wide, make it narrow, shut off the space, um, don't let them play the play their little intricate through balls. And all of a sudden, they start panicking. There's they they quickly ran out of ideas. And even when Kevin De Bruyne came on. Um, I mean, he took um, Mares and Sterling off, who were the two ideal players to play wide. So they then had even fewer options. Yeah. And De Bruyne came on and suddenly was shanking passes out of players. Like, OK, who who is this imposter? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we rode our luck at times. But actually, I think if you if you look back at the 90 minutes, I actually think that we had the clearer chances. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. You think yeah. of Armstrong um, in the second half and that, that yeah, save. Arm, yeah, Armstrong, Armstrong second half. Um, Ings um, just before yeah. half-time. Yeah. Put over the bar, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, on, on another day, all of a sudden, it's not quite as backs to the walls because because we've taken our chances and we've actually won the game quite comfortably, which, which I mean, you, you think about the possession stats and the number of shots they had. Mm. Um, most of which didn't come close to troubling the keeper, by the way. Yeah. Um, and all of a, all of a sudden, it it puts a completely different complexion on it. Um, all of a sudden, it's oh, Saints outplayed City. 
It was funny, I, I think, uh, yeah, was it? They had 25 shots in the end, which was the same as Leicester had. And, of course, I, mean, I can't even say the score again anymore these days. But, yeah, obviously, uh, the City ended up with a blank and Leicester didn't. But, uh, look, Glenn, I mean, as Steve said there, and I think we all realise, you do need a bit of luck to beat teams like City. And, uh, you know, we definitely got that in parts. But, you know, there certainly wasn't any luck about the goal. Um, Shea Adams first for the club. Of course, we were all delighted about it. We've been bigging him up on the pod the last couple of weeks. You know, we thought he did well against Watford. It was great to see him score that. You know, for all of us, Glenn, talk us through your memories of the goal. I just saw the ball sort of right uh, when Armstrong got his foot in and nicked the ball off Sinchenko. And I didn't actually see who, who'd had the shot until it, you know, obviously Luke went over the goalie and I, I thought, oh, this is going to bounce and hit the bar or bounce and go over or something like that. Obviously it went in and um, it was my son and my daughter in the room and, and so the son was jumping up going, that was Chai Adams. I went, nah, can't have been, can't have been. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then they, you, you saw the um, the replay from like behind McCarthy's goal. Yeah. And you see how far outside the right-hand post that ball started before, you know, sort of curling in and then uh, dropping one bounce into the goal. So it was a... Uh, it's it oh, it funny when the camera went to to Adams. It looked like he couldn't quite believe it either. It, <laughs> exactly. he, he, his his face wasn't showing what you'd expect. He was uh, playing it cool, clearly. Yeah, he's just scored from forty yards. So, <laughs> uh, there was yeah, there was there was there was a there was a lot going on in that moment. But I thought it was I thought it was great the way the the other players reacted. Yeah, because yeah. they obviously knew what a sort of big deal it was. And yeah, I mean, the, I mean we're going to come on and talk about the Everton game in a minute. And he, you know, he's had an, he, he's had another good game tonight. Yeah. Um, he, you know, obviously drawing from the confidence of the the City game, and he, he looks he looks a different player now. He looks very very lively, which was my one of my criticisms of him is that he he looked like he was, you know, wearing lead boots a few times in the uh, sort of middle part of the season, but now he looks a different player. And uh, yeah, long may it continue. It's almost reminiscent of the uh, of the sort of um, culture that Ralph's built, isn't it? That you could tell how much everyone in and around the team wanted him to to score, and uh, you know it was great to see him do that. And it's almost you know lockdowns obviously proven frustrating for lots of us, and, and not going to games, Glenn. But a goal like that, you almost want to have a crowd there to celebrate it with him, don't you? Yeah, but it, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, you yeah you you can't you can't do anything about it. It would have obviously been uh, one of those roof raising moments if mm. we'd all been in the ground, but. Um, it is what it is, and I don't think I don't think he'll care too much. Uh, you know, I don't think he cared too much when that went in. It yeah. was just uh, it was just a great moment for him and for the uh, for the team. Yeah, totally. And um, Steve, look, I'm just obviously on the City game. We spoke last week about the potential for causing them problems, and I was desperately trying to find positives. And uh, you know, we we kind of did that in the end. You know, there was lots of uh, problems, and we did you know have a few opportunities. So. I think from a Saints point of view, you know, 1 to 11, 1 to 14, whatever, they were brilliant. You know, it, it's almost sort of proved to them that they can get results against these teams this season. You know, beating Chelsea, Spurs are obviously a bit of hit and miss, you know, we know that, but beating City as well. So, you know, short and long term, Steve, how significant do you think that result could be? I think the most significant thing was that it was at home. Mm, yeah. um, although, I mean, you're still going to have the the issue that that we've had for basically three or four years, whereby... Teams come to St Mary's with a plan to defend deep because they know that we like to put the ball into the channels and over the top for for attackers to run onto. Yeah. And teams like Burnley, Newcastle, um, Palace to a to a slightly lesser extent are quite happy to sit in and soak up the pressure and and then hit us on the break in mm. the way that we like to do. Um, whereas the bigger teams coming down to us, I actually think we we stand a better chance of winning those sort of games. 
Yeah, um, yeah. because that kind of plays into our into our hands. Agreed. And we're we're potentially not as good as them. Well, uh, not even potentially. We are not as good as them overall. But in in a one off in a one off fight, I think I think we stand we stand a better chance of beating these sort of teams than um than the sort of more defensive minded teams. I think I mean like Newcastle for example obviously went to City on um uh, the other night and got absolutely spanked five nil and it. Looking at the um, XG map, I mean that could have been twenty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they they showed no no ambition to get out of their own penalty area. We we had a we had a very clear game plan of how we were going to cause them problems at the other end. Mm. And I, and that's that's the difference between us and the the sort of more defensive minded teams is that we know how we can how we can attack the the better teams and and cause them problems. Our problem. For the last three or four years, has been has been going the other, has for the most part been going the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, that saw Saints mathematically safe after 33 games, Glenn. Which, given where we were on the first week of December, what was it nine points from 14 or something like that? I mean, it's an incredible turnaround, really. But I, th- I think just sort of to finish on the City game, then for for Ralph as well. You know, we know how much effort he puts in, and uh, he's mentioned before, of course, the challenge for clubs outside the top six playing against the top six. You know, almost it's like Champions League. I think was what he actually said to me when I spoke to him in uh, a couple of years back but I think for him from a tactical point of view as well getting that so right getting the win you know a real feather in his cap oh yeah he'll love it um <laughs> you know I mean if you're if you're in that the job that he's in when you you know look down the dugout and see a Jurgen Klopp or a Guardiola and you're putting up your team as Steve said 11 players as individuals who are not as good as the you know as the opposition and you manage to get a result, you know, that's a fantastic thing. And it, it must be, you know, whereas it's not so much the same now, because I think we're all a bit fed up as fans of the, the big six and, mm. and all the palaver that comes with it. But as, as a manager, you, you must love the games against those guys. You, he must enjoy looking down the line and seeing Guardiola much more than he does seeing David Moyes or Sean Dyche. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a great thing for, uh, it's a great thing for Ralph. And, and, you know, the, the managers need, to be given confidence as well in the same way that we're talking about the team having the confidence of being able to play against the big team and win. It's, Mm. it's, uh, it's a good thing for Ralph as well to say, look, I don't need to be, you know, feel like I'm second best to Guardiola Klopp or whatever manager that, you know, is, is in the dugout. It, It just, it will make him better at his job. Totally. Well, unsurprisingly, Ralph was fairly excited after the Man City game. Here's what he had to say to SouthamptonFC.com. You have to run more than them, fight more than them. Uh, but I also say we, we, we have been also with the ball sometimes brave to try to really build up and give them some some problems and had also a few chances to score the second goal I think in the end it was a, a unbelievable fight from my side uh, and we are absolutely happy for this performance yeah it's always possible yeah? when you are committed and wait for the right moment to come to go and to press then you have always a chance to win balls like this and uh, yeah Jay, I'm so happy for him. Uh, he worked so hard today and, and on all the games before. And we are very happy that, that, that for him, everybody was happy. They're celebrating uh, his goal. And, and uh, yeah, uh, cannot, I think he cannot imagine a better moment, I think, to score the first time. We spoke about the goalkeeper who is always a little bit high, uh, playing uh, far uh, out of the goal. And, yeah, uh, but to take it then really and shoot it from this distance is, is not so easy. I think it was a fantastic goal, yeah. But also how much he worked today for the team was amazing. I think it was it was uh, important for us uh, because it gives us a lift sometimes, a breather. 
uh, when we have been under pressure and all the strikers did an unbelievable job. I must, I must say every player today, uh, the workload was <laughs> unbelievable. And yeah, there's the only chance to get something against such a team and, and to, when we, they know to surf it on. Moving on to tonight's game then, uh, of course against Everton, only our fifth draw of the season. Um, notorious Steve in terms of our bogey ground, only one win in 29 Premier League years now it will be. But uh, you know, one of those games that probably in the end makes you think what might have been for Saints. We've had a few of those in recent years. I mean, we had, we obviously had that end of season one under Mark Hughes where yeah. we where we absolutely battered them and they got a jammy deflection in the 96th minute. That and was a few we, days before the Swansea game, wasn't it? I remember. Yes, it was, yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've had a few games like that where we've lost in the last minute. I remember Thomas Radzinski banging one in 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 injury time. Leon Osmond scored late on for them before. Um, and in the end, I mean, I think once it got the half time at one all tonight. Um, I think everyone probably kind of expected something similar because, I mean, that first half was one of the most one-sided um, games of Premier League football I've seen since the restart. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely battered them. Um, I mean, Ward Prowse has probably got to be having a question asked about whether he should be taking penalties now, um, having now missed two. I mean, he got he obviously got lucky with the first one against Arsenal. The, yeah. the rebound came straight back to him. Um, but, I mean, he's not even hit the target with this one. Mm. Um, and Pickford had sold himself and already dived out of the way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's a question mark. But I mean, in terms of the performance, that first half, apart from their equaliser, I can't really fault it. Other no. than that, we've not we've not put the game to bed. We should be three or four up at half time. And if there'd been fans in the ground, I mean, you know exactly what what sort of reaction you'd have got from the Everton fans within about five, ten minutes of that performance. And I'm not sure not sure we'd necessarily have been able to sustain it with 35, 40,000 Evertonians going mad at them. Yeah. But the behind closed doors aspect kind of helped us in that regard because Everton weren't be, weren't able to get a grip on the game at any at any time until the second half when Ancelotti obviously changed the system and all of a sudden we we looked a little bit ropey yeah. um, at the back we we weren't holding on to the ball as much um, and Bednarek and Stevens were having a tough tough time against two central strikers overall I think. Certainly happy with the performance. Uh, second half, we tailed off. We looked looked quite tired in the last 25 minutes. Yeah, did. Although Armstrong still had a very presentable chance. Redmond obviously curled one just wide as well. So, I mean, we even even though we weren't quite at it second half, still had chances to win the game. I think we go to Old Trafford Monday with with confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come on to talk about Man United a bit in the the pod later, but obviously we know they're going to come out and attack us, which will help as well. But I think that's the thing, Glenn, is it? You know, I, I agree exactly with what Steve said there. I mean, first half an hour, it was like watching Barcelona from a few years ago, and then you know we finished the game strongly as well, which I think says a lot about the fitness of this team as well. You know, that last 10-15 minutes, we played a lot of that in their in their half. But just focusing on that sort of first 30 minutes, um. I thought particularly the pass and movement football that Ralph has instilled in this team was a joy to watch. Yeah, it was. Um, we looked fitter. We looked sharper. We looked like we had more ability than they did, which considering the amount of money they've spent on their team mm. is, um, I don't know if that reflects badly on uh, them or uh, well on us, but um, no, we, we were, we were absolutely excellent in that first really 40 minutes. Um, you know, we missed the penalty, but we scored straight afterwards. And that kind of negates that. You know, we, we had chances. I have to say Pickford made a great save from Ings's header at the near post. That was that was an excellent save. Yeah. You obviously can't legislate for the opposition's goalkeeper doing something like that. We played some great stuff and, and it's 
it's a step forward. Um, the old Achilles heel of letting in a pretty ropey goal. Yeah. Um, and it just seemed so easy. And we just, you know, defensively, you, it was a lack of communication. It was it was like Stevens was marking no one. Bednarek went across to Stevens' man, mm. and Bertrand didn't come across to yeah. Richarlison. It, it, it was obviously a, not not enough communication there, and uh, it had to be him that scored. He's a, he's a horrible player. I, I did like the fact that we tried to kick the hell out of him. Yeah. Um, it was obvious that they were lining up to take turns for our kicking. But uh, <laughs> no, to be fair to him, it was it was a good finish. Um, but yeah, the, the football we played in the first half was uh, was was excellent. I was keeping notes on my phone because, of course, we're obviously recording straight after this. So I was trying to, I felt like a right sort of amateurish journalist trying to make notes on my phone to make sure that we didn't miss anything. But I wrote down here, seemed to be targeting Rickarlson, different foulers to stop him, which is kind of what we spoke about in last week's podcast. Was it everyone having a little nibble? Yeah, well, he's going to dive, he's going to dive and throw himself around no matter what. So you might, as, you might as well give him something to, um, to actually, you know, be annoyed about. We've done that sort of thing before. We've, we've obviously done it with Eden Hazard yeah. many, many times before. Basically, you, you pick on the guy that's the one guy that can create something against you and you just systematically take turns at fouling them yep, because yeah. most especially, re- most especially referees- if it's a player who's got a bit of a short fuse because Richarlison yeah. could have got himself sent off quite easily yeah and yeah. and most uh, referees will give most players one or two sort of slight niggly fouls it's mm. only the blatant ones where the yellow comes out straight away yeah I must say I'm not a massive fan of Lee Mason but I know he refereed us away against uh, Leicester earlier in the season I actually thought he refereed all right tonight you know I think the penalty could have gone either way and the Bednarek booking and things like that as well but uh, I mean the Bednarek booking thing is is just one of those weird things with VAR in that I mean basically the, basically the refs got it wrong because um, it's a brilliant tackle mm. Um, yeah. If the referee thinks that's a that's a foul, then I don't understand why he's not sent him off. No, 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 I agree. Um, and and VAR would have reviewed whether it was a red card. Um, I don't think they would have changed it, Steve, because it wasn't. You know, whilst I think I agree with you, Bednarek got the ball. I don't think it was obvious that he got the ball. So I don't. You know, I think if he sent him off, I don't think they would have overturned it. Bearing in mind the sort of comical efforts we seem to see from VAR. I don't know. I, th- I think if I think the fact that he's not upgraded it to a red card um, suggests that. A, they think the referee's got it wrong. Yeah. But sure. of course, because it's because it's only a booking and a free kick, not a penalty or or a red card. Yeah. Um, they can't overturn the decision, so they still get the unjust um, free kick, 23 yards from goal, with an opportunity to shoot direct at goal. And I mean, Sigurdsson scored scored free kicks from there before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Always scores against us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, from a Saints point of view, Steve, yeah, it was a frustrating goal to give away. It was a frustrating penalty miss from Prousey. But that man again, Danny Ings, 22 for the season now, 19 in the Premier League. He's right up there in terms of the golden boot, which is incredible for, for Saints, you know, amount of chances. I think I saw earlier today he'd had 33 shots on target and scored 18 goals, which, you know, is is, is brilliant effort from, from him. Yeah, that was prior to the Everton game. But, you know, a really good run, a really good pass, a bit of nifty skill and a great finish. Yeah, I mean, this, I mean, quite how we managed to get that first touch and dig it out and wrong foot Jordan Pickford in the same move. I'm not not entirely sure if you gave him that opportunity, whether he'd, whether he'd actually be able to do that again. It kind of sums up um, the season he's having, doesn't it? Everything's fallen for yeah. him in, in exactly the right um, exactly the right situation. I mean, Armstrong's, Armstrong's shank of a shot was obviously horrendous. <laughs> um and yeah, I mean, it's just it's fallen full so kindly for him. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, just the composure that he shows in in that situation um, was just extraordinary. And he was obviously un, obviously unlucky with the with the header from uh, from the corner shortly before. 
um, where Pickford kind of managed to hit the ball onto the bar twice, mm-hmm. but run out of superlatives to describe his season. But he's, yeah. I mean, the fact that he's still up there with, um, with the sort of top scorers in the running for the Golden Boot with four games to play, yeah, um, in a side that's kind of struggled for a reasonable spell of this season, is, I mean, testament to a getting himself in the best condition possible yep. and also testament to the system that we're playing that we found a way that gets the best out of him mm. and he's adapted his game to suit the system as well yeah yeah 100 percent. glenn look, i mean there was lots of good performances out there again from saints tonight and um, again james walprouse uh, has played every minute of every game for saints this season which is a, a brilliant effort for him but uh one person I wanted to... I, I can tell you're becoming a bit of a fan of this guy, and I've got to say I thought he was absolutely brilliant again today. Carl Walker-Peters, I thought he had an absolutely fantastic game heading in both directions. Yeah, he did. Hold my hands up. But the first time I saw him play, I thought, no, not for us. Um, but he has been excellent. Um, he, he was good again today. Despite being the same sort of size, he's like the complete opposite of Cedric. Mm. He is quite happy to get close to a winger. He's quite happy to stick his foot in. He will go up and win challenges. Um, in the air, despite being pretty small. Um, he wears socks on a night out as well. Probably, yeah. He's not into the espadrilles and no socks. <laughs> he's um, he seems he seems like a very good player. He's got very good feet. You know, it's that in the in the very first game he played, there was there was one sort of dance down the right wing in the second half that was uh, that was quite impressive. Um, yeah, and <laughs> I think they talk about him now as maybe going back to Spurs because he's better than what they've got. So I've always thought. That regardless of how well he played, it would be a difficult stretch to sign him simply because it's Tottenham yeah. and they're in a, a notoriously difficult club to to deal with when you're signing players and when you're selling them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always quite sceptical when people mention swap deals because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to work that way anymore. But, well, they, you know, they just it, don't happen, do they? Really? No, but it, it may have helped the negotiation that they want one of ours and we want yeah, one of theirs. Exactly. Yeah. But it depends. I mean, who's he up against at Spurs? Serge Aurier. I think most people have reached the stage now where, you know, we'd quite like to sign this guy. But at the end of the day, he's still a young, relatively unproven player with a few games behind him. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean... Maybe they'll try and get him on loan much, for another season or something. Who knows? Yeah, how much how much are Spurs going to want for him? I mean, realistically, I'd be thinking around the sort of 10, 12 million mark. Yeah. But this is Daniel Levy we're talking about. They'd, so, want, they'd want 20, I reckon. Yeah. I reckon they'd want 20, and they'd want the sign sign Hordberg for five. Look, Steve, just to sort of round it all up then, um, you know, I think as we agreed, I mean, again, fitness level's amazing for Saints considering the amount of effort they put in against City, but four points from six against two tough sides. You know, we have an awful record at Goodison. City are obviously a world-class side. You know, all in all, a good week for Saints. Oh, yeah, I mean, we'd have absolutely taken four points at the start of the week if if you'd offered it us. And, I mean, the, the way we've earned them as well. We've deserved at least those those four points, if not six. So, well, I mean, I would say probably 90, 97% positive from these two games. The sort of 3% of negatives are kind of stuff that we already knew were problems. So go to Old Trafford Monday with, with a lot of confidence. I mean, I don't know how much energy we've got left after, as I say, second half, we looked a little bit leggy tonight. But we've got plenty of time because the game's not till Monday. We've got a fair, fair amount of rest time. Um, we'll see how we go up there. Total Saints Podcast.
Next up for Saints is a visit to Manchester United. Steve, we only lost late on there, of course, last season 3-2 after some uh, questionable refereeing, I think we can call it that, from Stuart Atwell. Um, for the statters out there, I've already looked it up, it's Chris Kavanagh this time around. Um, despite that defeat, Steve, it's two wins, two draws and two defeats in our last six Premier League visits to Old Trafford going back to 2013. So certainly room for optimism. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. First sort of longer spell in the Premier League. Basically, going to Old Trafford meant guaranteed defeat. I think we picked up one point, I think, in all of our games there. Um, and yeah, as you say, in, in recent years, we've won a couple of times, got, got a couple of draws. Probably should have got a few more positive results, really, yeah. based on the performances and how the games have gone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we go there with confidence. They've not been anything special at home. Um, I mean, they've been, they've been a lot better since January when they signed Bruno Fernandes, who's kind of given them a little bit more uh, creativity in midfield. But I still think that defensively they're a bit weak. And again, another side that if you play the right way, you can get at them. Um, I mean, as as we're recording, their their game away at Villa is on is on TV at the moment, and Villa have been the better side. United are one 0 up thanks to a complete non penalty. <laughs> Um, but Villa have been decent so far, and um, they're still a very flawed team, despite the despite the results. The, there's a very sort of illusory um, feel to their run of form, mm. as there was as there kind of was when Solskjaer first took over as caretaker. They won a lot of games despite playing absolutely terribly, and it was just that oh bloody lucky United again. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of back in that mode at the moment, I think, and. I think they've they've played they've played a few teams who have who have played right into their hands and I don't think we I don't think we're going to do that I don't think I think we'll play we'll play the way we want and I think I think that'll that'll make for quite an interesting game I'm, I'm not convinced they've necessarily um, they're necessarily going to steamroller us. No, I like the fact that we got live match analysis going on there. That's brilliant. Um, Glenn, I, I guess one thing, Glenn, you know, I, I know of all the things in your life that you want to do, certainly talking about Man United isn't one of them. But uh, look, I mean, they have had a good run since Project Restart, um, and, and we do know that obviously Greenwood, Martial, Rashford, Fernandez, etc. Steve's just mentioned there. You know, they got lots of players, but lots of players uh, that are in form at the moment as well. So we're going to need to watch them. Yeah, very much so. And Mr. Pogba's back, isn't he? And, Correct, yeah. You know, him coming back and um, playing with Fernandez, you know, for the first sort of time um, since the restart. That you know, they've 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 strung some good results together. I I agree that I think they they still flatter to deceive a little bit. Mm. Um, they've 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 won a few games without being particularly brilliant, and it's it's not a game we should go into thinking, oh my God, it's Man United and they've won all these games. It, it's it's a game against a team that. As Steve said, definitely can be got at. I mean, is, is Luke Shaw still in the side or is he still eating? <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's still he's in the side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's very much a regular now. So there's a, you know, there's a weakness there. The, um, the centre half. him on taste, Glenn, don't worry. Maguire's slow, as yeah. we know, but he's a, he's a good stopper centre half. But they're not that good. Um, and they're not that quick at the back, um, especially in the centre, which is the, the problem that Everton had with us today in the first half. You know, Keane and Mina couldn't really keep pace with Ings and Adams. So, you know, I think it'll be a similar sort of thing against United. Mm. Um, even though there's no fans, they will come out to try and attack the game and to, to try and win it. So yeah. in theory, as long as we keep it tight in the 
tight at the back, it should um, it should play into our hands a little bit, and we we should certainly get chances. But we need to uh, need to be more clinical up front, obviously. Indeed, Glenn's pretty much read my notes there, Steve, because I've put down here. And do you think the lack of Old Trafford crowd, as well as the fact we know they will attack us, which should also help us, is a positive? So what do you reckon, Steve? Bearing in mind we know that Old Trafford historically has been a tough place to get decisions, do we think that potentially the lack of crowd there putting pressure on referees might actually help Saints as well? Um, no, based on what based on what I saw five minutes ago, um, at, 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 and that and that's in an empty ground at Villa Park. Yeah. And I mean, when when you see that decision back, it, I mean, it's an absolute disgrace that the referee's given it in the first place, and that VAR has upheld it. Fernandez is literally stamped on the Villa defender's ankle um, as he's turning round, and has fallen over backwards, and the referee's given a penalty. Mm. Um, it's just absolutely extraordinary. Those are the sort of decisions that the big clubs, big clubs get, and that was what it was one of the reasons why I thought VAR might be a good thing because you might get an evening out of these nonsense ones uh, getting overturned. But as it turns out, they're still being given, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just finally then, Glenn, from a Saints point of view, um, let's focus back on them again. We know the pressure is off, so they can go up there, they can have a good plan, which we, we're more than confident. We know how Ralph works, that he'll absolutely have a plan for United. And I guess sort of enjoy it and see what happens, really. Yeah, it's another free hit, really. I mean, I looked at these sort of three games as a group, and normally you'd say Man City, Everton away, Man United, zero points. <laughs> We've already got four. Yeah. Um, it's a bonus. If we go up there and win, no one's expecting it. So there's nothing to lose, really, as, as we've said. Can't go down. Um, so we might as well go up there and have a go in the same way that we, you know, we, we had a plan to be attacking against Manchester City. Um, so previous games against City, we, we'd sat five at the back and four in midfield. But, yeah. you know, we didn't do that this time. Um, Ralph's obviously confident in uh, confident enough in the players, um, you know, to, to want to play his normal system. Um, we are looking a little bit threadbare, though. Um, yeah. If there's a couple that, um, you know, don't make it for Monday because they're, you know, feeling a slight knock or something like that. You, you look at our bench and the average age is about 12. <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, you know, the last couple of games they've bought on Shane Long. Yeah. Well, we're, Hoy- we're, up to, we're up to squad number 64 now. <laughs> yeah, we had we had Hoiberg playing, um, playing today. So we had two experienced subs to bring on. But yeah. you look at the players that didn't come on against City and they're, they're all kids. Yeah. I mean, we, you, you've got a couple of kids there who've never played like uh, Will Ferry. Yeah. Um, is it Jankovic? Was he on yeah, the bench? Yeah, was he on the yeah. bench again today? Yeah. And, and, yeah. You know, th- th- you've got to think that it's going to, it's going to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a stretch to expect uh, if, if we've got two or three missing to expect mm-hmm. those boys to come in and, and us not to be affected in some way. So totally. if everyone's, if everyone's fit and, yeah. and, and ready to go, then yeah. yeah, bring it on. The subs thing is a, is an interesting thing as well. Cause they're, they're talking about five substitution thing being turned into a permanent thing, which oh, it, it I mean, the, 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 only, the only people that benefits are the big clubs with the massive squads. It, yeah. it makes a complete mockery of the whole thing. It does. Yeah. Well, it will be interesting to see, of course, uh, Gineppo, Buffel, Vestergaard, people like that to see uh, whether they're beckoning around uh, for United. I guess having Hoiberg back was uh, a positive for Everton. Um, right, in terms of predictions then, so we did our predictions offline. I can confirm Steve Grant sat on the fence and won for a one-all draw. So well done, Steve. You get three points for that. So that's shot you up into second in the prediction league. Glenn's on 22, Steve's on 18, and myself uh, fighting out in last place now in 17. So, Steve, let's uh, start with you in terms of your prediction for the Man United game. I think it'll be... Kind of a continuation of of this evening, and I think we'll play well. Um, we might take an early lead, but I, th- I suspect we will run out of legs, and their squad depth will prove the difference. Um, so I think we'll probably lose two one. 
Just before I come to Glenn, that's exactly what I've written down here. 2-1, good fight, but just fall short, run out of puff in the end. So, uh, Glenn, what do you reckon? Anything more positive than that? I've got exactly the same. <laughs> there now. you go, full house. Hey? So we can't, can... oh, we can't all have the same yeah, thing. Of course that's you can. Te- of course you that's, can. Te- that's, that's tedious. Um, <laughs> I'll, uh, well... You can't go 3-1, that's going to make you sound negative now. No. Oh, what's that? I, I, do you know what? I'll, no, I'll go for a... Oh, sod it. I don't care if I win or lose anyway. I'll go for a draw. I'll go for a one or draw. that's it for this week's episode thanks for listening thanks to Glenn and Steve as well we'll be back again just after the Man United game ahead of Brighton and playing against Bompey and Dan Sheldon will be back alongside us as well until then keep safe have a good rest of the week and keep marching in ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.